You know as well as I do that trust is the foundation for any solid transaction that happens between a small business owner and its buyer. But what happens when you take your trust all the way through the Twitter platform to an insider relationship with an international superstar and, well, things go a wee bit awry? Let me tell you exactly what happens. Welcome back to Why Are We Shouting? With me, Jill Salzman, here to help entrepreneurs get down to business. I want to talk to you about small business blunders, ways that entrepreneurs shine, and valuable lessons about growing your biz. This week, we're going to walk down memory lane as I tell my seemingly tall tale about that time a celebrity and I became tweet hearts. Except that this tale was actually very, very short and quite organized. Remember Peter Walsh? He was that Australian organization guru that showed up on the Oprah Winfrey show one fine day. And seemingly overnight, he became an international organizing sensation. Hi everyone, I'm Peter Walsh and if you don't know me, I'm the get your whole life organized guy. He showed Oprah some tips on how to tidy up your office, how to clean up your kitchen, and how to reorganize all of the paper that's all over your house. It was then and there that I fell in love. He showed up several more times on Oprah's show. Then he began to pop up all over the place, guesting on other TV shows and eventually hosting a show of his own. I watched all of it religiously. If I had a bad day and felt riled up, I would turn on the boob tube and his tips would calm me down. Did I ever feel overwhelmed after several meetings and an extremely messy desk? Yeah. So I'd turn to Peter and I'd wait for him to say something soothing or magical. He always delivered. Then he partnered with Office Max and released his own line of products, the in-place system. I waited outside in line before the store opened on its first day that his stuff was available for sale. I giggled with other women in line who also adored the great Peter Walsh. I purchased notebooks, folder holders, and tons of other paraphernalia that I didn't need at all. Each item came with a little sticker of his face on it, which I never removed. My husband was very confused as to why I kept all of the stickers on and I would just tell him that it was between me and Peter. I'm about to date myself, but I will tell you that this was back in the day when Twitter had just shown up on the interwebs. <whistles> After acclimating myself to the new language of tweets and hashtags and mentions, I searched for Peter's name. And there he was. Straightforward. Simple. Organized. Just at Peter Walsh. It made me love him even more. One day I watched him on a show and tried out one of his tips, organizing my books by color. And I decided I would publish a tweet and mention him in the hopes that maybe somewhere out there all the way across the world, he would see it and respond. And then he did. Can you imagine my level of excitement? It went way through the roof, all the way to the other side of the globe. 
I shouted about it to everyone I knew for days. It was a simple acknowledgement of my tweet. A thanks. But that's all I needed. I'm, frankly, not unlike a stalker. Because I decided that day that Peter and I were star-crossed lovers who just didn't meet one another in time to make a life together. After each episode of any show that he was on, I would tweet at him. Good for you, I'd say. Well done. And every few days, he would respond and tell me how much he appreciated my enthusiasm. I could sense through his tweets how compelled he was to interact with me, how engaging I seemed. I did realize at a certain point, as a business person, how genius his endeavors were. Did my desk get any cleaner? No. Was my house more organized? Not even for 24 hours. So I had to watch him over and over and over and over and over. Several months into my love affair, I got an email from a booker at a local TV show. They invited me to come on their morning show to do a segment on tips or tricks for mom entrepreneurs. It would be my first ever TV appearance. I replied at lightning speed that I would be there, and the following Monday I was in my car at 6 a.m. to make the early call time. My hands shook the whole way to the studio. I parked my tiny Honda Civic behind a very large limousine, and I walked through the studio doors so nervous that I thought I would actually pee myself. I scribbled down my name at the door. Someone escorted me to the waiting room. And I was upset on behalf of myself and Peter Walsh that the room was so tiny and so messy. There wasn't enough room for a mini fridge, and I forgot a water bottle. So I sat on that couch among a million magazines, staring up at that screen, super dehydrated, and praying that a segment featuring my Peter would come on so that I could calm down. I needed him. I remember thinking to myself that I would have given anything in that moment just to hear his voice. About 10 minutes later, someone stuck their head in the door and asked if the guests of the following segment could join me in the room. I looked around a little bit embarrassed, thinking, how are they going to fit in here? I told them I wasn't sure there was much room, but I'd be happy to share the couch. Two women walked in. I don't remember how they fit. And the man that followed them was the guest who would be on TV that morning right after me. It was Peter Walsh. That's all, folks. The nausea hit. The dizziness overcame me. He sat down right next to me on the couch and asked me to go get him a cup of coffee. I embarrassingly stuttered through my explanation of the fact that I was actually there to be on TV. I wasn't an employee of the TV show. And I was so sorry for my stuttering, but I was unbelievably nervous because it would be my first time on television. I never told him that it was also because I was sitting next to Peter Walsh. And then it happened. He put the palm of his hand over my hand and soothed me. He said to me that there was nothing to be nervous about in that gorgeous Australian accent. You would have thought I'd fainted right then and there. But it was just like watching him on TV. I listened to him talk, and talk he did. He walked me through all of the steps I should take, all of the thoughts I should think. 
so that I would appear bold and confident and comfortable on screen. He'd done it a million times, he said, and there was absolutely nothing for me to be worried about. I trusted him. Nay, I loved him. That's when I got the courage to say the following. You know, I'm at Founding Mom on Twitter. It's me. I chuckled, and he chuckled, really awkwardly. I said to him, why don't we both take out our phones and tweet right now about the fact that we're both going to be on the same show in a minute? Are you ready for what he said to me? Twitter. What an interesting idea. Thank goodness I don't have time to run my own account. I wouldn't have the foggiest idea about where to begin. What did he say? It was then, dear listener, that my faith and optimism in humanity died. I was heartbroken. And then the rage swept over me. Here I was devoting my life to a man who knew me, who understood me, who responded to me. He couldn't even have the decency to log into his own account? This was back in the day when almost no one had anyone managing their accounts for them yet. Everybody on Twitter was real, authentic, transparent. It's hard to understand the kind of shock I was in now, but it was very, very real. I slid away from him and walked over to stage A, where they mic'd me, checked my levels, and I was suddenly live on morning TV. I don't remember much of it, but what I saw afterwards was exactly as Peter had predicted. I looked calm, cool, and comfortable. And if you look really closely at the segment, you can still see smoke coming out of my ears. We as a society talk about authenticity all the time now. If you're not authentic, people won't buy your products and services. If you use robots or fake email addresses, or ways around actual and true one-on-one -on -one interaction with potential buyers, you lose. They tell us that all the time. And as business owners, we understand. But we're also exhausted by the expectation that we need to be there and be personable every second of every day. Before I met Peter, I used to nod my head on the outside while shaking my head on the inside, thinking, well, it's not realistic. It's not scalable. It's not something I'm very interested in. Then I became the customer. I'd attached myself to Peter's brand in a way that I trusted him to the ends of the earth. I expected he would do right by me. And when he betrayed me, I felt it. And I stopped buying his products. I stopped watching his TV show. Inauthenticity was not appealing to me because I believe people, and when they betray my trust, I don't want to do business with them anymore. Peter and I never spoke again. I haven't heard from him, and he hasn't reached out to me. I'm sure that he's not nearly as devastated as I am, considering that he broke my heart. But I do get to thinking from time to time, what do you think that Peter's social media handler looks like? You don't call. You don't write. Do both. Text me by typing hashtag podcast to 312-847-2353 or go to jillsalsman.com slash podcast. You can record a message there so that I can talk to you in a future episode. 
Go to ratethispodcast.com slash why are we shouting and leave a review. It helps other listeners discover my ridiculous stories so that they can build better businesses. Shout out to Lindsay, Aaron, and Peter, or Peter's social media handler, for making this podcast with me. And thanks to you for listening. I'll see you next week. <laughs>